You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by UFM Underwear. Head to ufmunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN for $5 off your purchase. UFM Underwear. Support your manhood. And also brought to you by MyBookie, where you can double your first deposit. Head to mybookie.ag and use promo code GATORS to activate the offer. Bet. Win. Get paid at MyBookie. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC, getting you ready for this top 10 rivalry showdown between Florida and Georgia. I'll call it what it's supposed to be called the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And I can't wait for this one. You guys know how personal this game is for me. Just cannot wait, cannot wait uh, for Saturday. Joining me on this episode to preview the Georgia Bulldogs is Mike Griffith from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Dog Nation. I know many of you out there know Mike, and he has some pretty positive thoughts uh, about the Gators heading into this top 10 matchup with the Dogs. So really, really good info coming your way here from Mike Griffith previewing these Georgia Bulldogs. Before we get started, if you're coming to Jacksonville for the game this Friday, I will be co-hosting a party with my good friends in the band, Julia Gulia. This Friday night, you can come enjoy some good music at Monkey's Uncle Tavern in the Mandarin area of Jacksonville from 9.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. in the morning. So Party all night Friday night. Turn around and do it again Saturday. That's what this weekend's about. Uh, partying and a big football game. So stop by, say hello, have a good time this Friday night, the day before the game, and come just uh, come say hello. A lot to see you guys out there. Let's go. Let's just go. Uh, you know, have some fun uh, as Gators. Probably some few Dolph fans there as well. But just a, a cool, you know, football party uh, the uh, the night before the big game. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes. Also, catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. News4jacks.com is your one-stop shop this weekend covering Florida, Georgia. So if you're in town, turn it to WJXT Channel 4 for a lot of Florida, Georgia coverage. Head to News 4 Jacks for all the latest information on parking and uh, all the events leading up to Florida, Georgia. So News4Jacks.com is where you can get all that information. Also, a News 4 Jacks exclusive later on this week, talking with Troop. Former Gators tied in Ben Troop will join me as he has... Every week this season so far, you know how much this Florida-Georgia game means to, be, means to Ben as well. He'll have a lot of thoughts heading into this game. We'll get his thoughts on Florida-Georgia staying in Jacksonville and his thoughts on this matchup as well. So a lot of good content at News4Jacks.com uh, this week and exclusively with Ben Troop at News4Jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. 
Mike Griffith from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Dog Nation joining us here on Gators Breakdown to give us a preview of these Georgia Bulldogs. Mike, here we are again for the second year in a row. This game is another top 10 matchup and basically for the SEC East Division crown. No doubt, you know, and I think we all kind of saw that coming at the start of the year. Uh, you know, Dan Mullen, you know, you can't help but admire and appreciate what he's done with Kyle Trask. You know, a lot of people thought when Philippe went down, you know, that that could hurt the Gators. Um, you know, I was down there for the Miami-Florida uh, game in Orlando at the start of the year and uh, saw a lot of grit and determination from this Florida team and thought Franks had, you know, really kind of turned it around and, and thought he would have a good year. Um, you know, the injury was unfortunate, but Kyle came in against Kentucky and, and really he's kind of been the talk of the league. Uh, watching him evolve and Dan Mullen's offense, uh, watching the Gators, um, you know, the way they've played football together, you can just kind of see them gelling and start to get a, a bit of an identity under Dan Mullen. He doesn't have all his players in yet, but you can kind of get a feel for this team and, and see what direction they're headed. You know, right now it's <laughs> they're as dangerous as anybody in the league. Yeah, and from, you know, from the Georgia side, uh, there's been a lot of critique the, the last few weeks, of course, maybe uh, not living up to some people's expectations after that loss of South Carolina. And I'll, I'll ask you, you got a, you got a you know, really good pulse on this Bulldog team, also you know, a lot of Bulldog fans as well. You know, which critiques are fair when looking at this you know, Bulldogs team, especially the offense in particular, uh, and, and kind of going back towards the, the, the last couple games? Well, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're all fair. There's, there's reasons why Georgia hasn't played well at times. And, you know, nobody ever wants to hear them. Nobody wants to hear that, you know, injuries play a role. But if you get a lot of injuries at one position, uh, it can be trouble, especially if it's a position where there's been a lot of attrition. So we knew coming into this year that Georgia was going to be challenged at receiver. Uh, they had three underclassmen. Uh, go pro, and then the guy that we all thought would be the leading receiver coming back, J.J. Hallman, got kicked off the team uh, after spring drills. He had a, a domestic uh, incident from a, a year or two ago that came up. Uh, so all of a sudden now you're down your top five pass catchers from a season ago. And you say, well, okay, that's that's what recruiting in depth is for. Well, the leading returning receiver was a guy named Tyler Simmons. He had nine catches last year. He hurts his shoulder in the second game, so he's been playing with a shoulder brace on it. Not the same guy. In fact, against South Carolina, had a ball go right up his hands. It was intercepted. Uh, you know, so you take Simmons out of the mix. Demetrius Robertson was a guy that, that transferred, you know, from Cal last season and didn't have any catches, but kind of grew into the offense. You thought, well, this guy will be ready. He was a freshman All-American. Well, he pulled a hamstring earlier this year. And then they have Lawrence Cager, uh, 6'5", 220 target from uh, Miami. And really coming into his own, in fact, I think he had three third-down conversion catches against South Carolina. He gets knocked out of that game with a um, uh, with rib injuries in addition to a shoulder injury he'd been playing with. So now we're talking about your top five pass catchers from a year ago, plus three guys this year. Jeez, I, I forgot. Kyrus Jackson was the starting slot in the first yeah. game, and he broke his hand. So he's just getting back. So you're looking at nine. You're, you're going nine deep. At receiver, and you're counting on some freshmen. Now, the freshmen are really talented. George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock are, I believe, as good as any freshman receivers in the league. I think Pickens has huge, huge upside. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of talk that he could, you know, evolve into a AJ Green type of receiver. Um, but because you've been dealing with a limited uh, number of receivers, uh, Jake Fromm has been limited too. So having that third-year starting quarterback is great. Uh, he can still change plays at the line and, and call protections, but 
he can't maybe be as aggressive audibling because, you know, the, the freshmen are still learning. I mean, they're still, you know, getting comfortable in the offense. So it's really kind of put a damper on the Georgia pass game, and opponents know that. So they say, you know what, we're going to play you man-to-man outside. We're going to make those young receivers or those injured receivers try and beat us, and we're going to load up the box and make things tough on your run game. And uh, Kirby has, you know, stayed true to the run, and it's led to some slower starts and some, uh, you know, some games that, you know, Georgia hasn't looked as impressive, like you said, David, as a lot of people thought. Um, You know, Tennessee was a 14-13 game. Uh, Tennessee actually led with two minutes left in the first half. I mean, Georgia went two-minute offense and scored two touchdowns in the final two minutes and pulled away. But but South Carolina, it bit them. Um, You know, four turnovers against the Gamecocks, uh, two missed field goals. (laughs) You do that against anybody, and you're probably going to lose. The Kentucky game, I think a lot of people wanted to see Georgia kind of get back on track. That was the game everybody wanted to say, okay, you know, you were – Awful against South Carolina. Now, fix it all against Kentucky. Well, some pretty heavy rains, some colder weather, and a lot of wind. Um, And so Jake Fromm didn't throw the ball much. I think he threw it 12 times, completed nine passes. Only threw the ball once in the second half, though. And uh, Georgia won that game 21-0. But you don't get a lot of love for defense. The highlight shows don't don't, uh, show a lot of appreciation for uh, third-down conversion defense. And so I think there's a – a sentiment out there that, you know, as you said, you know, Georgia hasn't lived up to preseason expectations. I mean, they weren't supposed to lose to South Carolina. And I think a lot of people still think they're not supposed to lose to Florida, but you know, as good as Florida's played and as bad as Georgia's played of late, I think a lot of Georgia fans are worried that it could happen. And of course, Mike, uh, you mentioned the, you mentioned the struggles with Fromm and and the receivers here. Either way, I think if those guys, you know, Fromm's still playing good. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you know he's he's not uh, a good quarterback. Or you're right. I think the receiver position is hurting him a bit more. But when coming into this season and as this season has played along. Uh, you kind of hit on it a little bit. This offense still has to go through DeAndre Swift uh, for it to get going. Uh, what are you looking for? I mean, James Coley's also kind of been, you know, a, a target for, for, for the Georgia fan base uh, of why the offense hasn't necessarily uh, been as smooth as it has been. It's still a good offense. You go look at stats and all the stats say, look, this Georgia offense still is good. Sometimes I think they have trouble finding their identity. Sometimes they don't know what they want to do. They know what they should do, but don't really lean on Swift enough. Uh, with a bye week, coming off of a bye week, the second half of the season, the hardest part of the schedule for Georgia coming up, starting with this Florida game, you think we'll see a renewed sense of urgency to get DeAndre Swift the ball even more and, and rely on him even more? Well, you know, there's really only so much. Um, you know, Georgia, Georgia doesn't uh, look at it like they're going to have a back carry the ball 30 times. I mean, Swift's going to touch it a lot, I would say. You know, 18 to 25 touches between what he can do as a receiver as well as a running back out of the backfield. He's kind of stepped forward and emerged as a team leader. Um, yeah, Coley's been criticized, but, you know, the reality of it is, is this is how Kirby Smart's built this team. I mean, you know, Coley can call the plays he wants, but it's going to be within the framework of an offense that, you know, Kirby's going to dictate and he's going to say, you know, that this is, this is going to have a, a power football element to it. Georgia's going to be able to run the ball. I mean, they went out and recruited this massive offensive line that averages 328 pounds a guy. That, that's to play power football and pass protect. That's, that's not to run the screen game and, and pull and, and, and run hurry up for 60 minutes. So this is how Georgia's built. Um, this is how, you know, Kirby's kind of the architect of this program, the GM, if you will. And, 
and he's recruited these, this type of player to play in this pro style uh, balanced offense. Um, he believes that, you know, that this is, you know, George's best formula you know, to win a championship. And, you know, if you look at the last two games against Alabama, you know, they've, they've kind of been on the doorstep, you know, and I'd say even if you look at, um, if you look at how Auburn played LSU, uh, you know, Auburn came pretty close and, and they're about as close to Georgia personality wise as anyone, as far as their run pass balance. So um, I guess it remains to be seen. Um, don't even know if Georgia will get to LSU or Alabama. I mean, they they got to go through Jacksonville, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a big win for the city of Jacksonville to keep that game away from Kirby and Athens another two years. Um, you know, the Georgia administration likes that money. A lot of the Georgia fans love that area of the country. They, they enjoy that tradition. It cost Georgia a huge recruiting weekend. Um, pretty clear that, that Kirby smart. It's not that Kirby doesn't like Jacksonville. He made that clear. He likes Jacksonville. He's got great memories of there, but it comes at too great of a cost for Georgia. Uh, so that was a big win for Florida. And I think it's still an advantage for Florida to play that game there. You know, you're talking to the Gators players at SEC Media Days the last two or three years, and they all say the same thing. They love it. And um, so that that's a bit that's an intangible that favors Florida a little bit. I think the momentum favors Florida. Um, but it, Dave, it's going to come down to who, who plays. It's going to come down to turnovers. I mean, uh, you know, if 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 Georgia turns the ball over, you know, twice and Florida doesn't turn it over, Florida will probably win. If Florida's up two in the turnover margin. Um, the, the other stat that's out there is the team that rushes for the most mm-hmm. yards, 113 straight. Um, you know, look, you know, Florida hasn't been as consistent, but they've had some dynamic runs. I think they've had three runs over 70 yards. So they've got an explosive offense. Uh, and, and P. Ryan, you know, to me, I was impressed with him in that Miami game. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I mean, he's explosive, man. He doesn't need much of a, of a hole, and uh, he can really take the corner from you. So when you got a gamer like that, uh, and, and Dan Mullen with what he's done with the offense, I mean, Florida's, you know, there's, I, I say it's, you know, the potential for upset, you know, Florida's actually ranked higher than Georgia's. I thought Georgia's favored by anywhere from three to five. I mean, this is, this looks to be a shootout. Yeah, it it can surprisingly turn into a shootout. I I can't see that, too, where DeAndre Swift kind of goes crazy and and Kyle Trask continues to play well in a different kind of shootout with one team maybe running the ball uh, for for some big chunk yards like Florida's been giving up the last couple games and also Kyle Trask continuing uh, his play as well. Mike, one more look at the offense before I ask you a quick about the defense. This offensive line, they've been battling – you mentioned – Injuries at receiver, offensive line's been dealing with some injuries too uh, for, for the Bulldogs. What's kind of the health status coming into this game with, with, with those guys? Are they going to have their full complement, their five starters, or who they like to decide as the five starters uh, coming into this Florida game? Yeah, this this is as, this is as healthy as they've been, um, you know, since the Vanderbilt game. They're, they're not 100%. I mean, Solomon Kinley, Jacksonville area kid, he, he, he'll probably be back starting at left guard. I don't think he's. Uh, quite 100%, but he hasn't started a game since Notre Dame, uh, September 21st, he hurt his ankle. Uh, as you mentioned, other guys have been injured. You know, Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle this time, Ben Cleveland's, uh, you know, been dealing with some nagging injuries. Um, you know, uh, Solomon Kinley, uh, and then they lost the backup left guard. I mean, they, they, this is a nicked-up team. Um, you know, Georgia's taking some hits. Uh, the offensive line, I think, has been in a little better position to sustain it uh, because they had – Incredible depth there. They went about eight deep. Uh, so you haven't seen a dramatic drop-off there. I, I don't think the continuity has been as good as it could be, but I think it's probably still better than 
pretty much every team in the SEC. I think they got the best line in the SEC. Um, so they'll they'll be fine up front. Uh, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, uh, Georgia's got to rely on DeAndre Swift to make some plays and or, or hope that, you know, some of these young receivers can get open, uh, you know, against a pretty talented Gator secondary. I mean, if Florida is going to play eight in the box, there's going to be some opportunities for big plays on the perimeter. And, you know, uh, you know, Jake is a pretty accurate quarterback when he has time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a matter of if, you know, Florida can stay sound in their coverage. I mean, one breakdown for Florida – if they load the box, could be six points real fast. So I do think the offensive line um, will provide adequate protection. I know that Florida's getting a couple pass rushers back, but uh, Georgia's real good at tackle. Um, Georgia's also got a couple tight ends that are capable. Nobody nobody like Pitts. Of course, I don't know if anybody in the country has anybody <laughs> like Pitts, but um, Eli Wolf is a pretty capable uh, tight end uh, who can make some things happen. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how – how Georgia attacks that Florida defense, you know, Florida, you know, granted, he's going to, he's going to come after your quarterback. You know, he's, he's going to throw some blitzes at you. He's going to take some chances. Um, as you said, they've given up some run plays. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how Florida just, um, because they're, they're no dummies. They, they know what Georgia wants to do. Um, everybody knows everybody, you know, Kirby was asked uh, yesterday about Brenton Cox being down there. And are you worried about that? And he said no, um, because, you know, everything's on film. There's no secrets. So there's no secrets. Um, it's going to come down to who plays better, I think. Absolutely. A couple more thoughts here from Mike Griffith of Dog Nation. Mike, uh, the competition maybe hasn't been the best uh, for this Georgia defense. You know, Ryan Helensky goes down for South Carolina. Lim Bowden's playing quarterback for Kentucky. Uh, Mauer's making his first start uh, against Georgia for Tennessee. But is the Bulldogs defense getting credit for what they're doing and in, in, in shutting down these offenses so far this season? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, the the stats will tell you they're number one in the SEC in total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, and two in pass efficiency defense. But as you point out, um, you know, other than Notre Dame, and gosh, Notre Dame looked pretty awful in that pouring rain against Michigan, but I thought Notre Dame looked pretty game for Georgia. It looked like they'd been working two years to play that game. Um, I I think you raise a fair question. I think it's a very fair question, um, you know, to kind of see what Georgia's defense is about now. I think they're pretty good. Uh, I think they'll be even better if they get Tyson Campbell back. That's going to be really key. We talked about injuries a minute ago on the offense. Uh, Tyson, former five-star from Miami area, uh, cornerback. He's big. He's physical. He's exactly what you need against this great Gator receiving core. And he's been practicing the last week and a half. He hasn't played since September 14th. He had a, a turf toe ailment that has kept him out. Um, that would be a big get if Georgia can get Tyson Campbell back. I think their secondary is pretty good. I, I think their secondary is legit. Um, a lot of these guys were starters last year when Georgia did a pretty nice job against some pretty elite receiving cores. Um, I think the linebacking core has stepped up a level from where it was a year ago. And I think the defensive front is just as good, if not a little bit better. Now, the thing is, is Florida's got a better pass game than a year ago. They're more dangerous. Trask is, let's just say it, okay? I think Trask is playing better than Franks was a year ago. I don't think I'm going out on too much of a limb saying that. Nope. And, and also, it's Dan Mullen's second year. So these Florida players have a much better idea of what Coach Mullen wants them to do. And, you know, year one's tough. And I don't think people gave, you know, Dan Mullen enough slack for that. I know he lost to Kentucky. But, hey, Kentucky turned out to be a pretty decent team last year, by the way. So, but, but now it's year two of Mullen. Uh, the Florida players look a lot more comfortable in the offense. 
Uh, Trask looks really good with his decision making and his ability to put the ball where it needs to be. And you got a you got a guy like uh, Pitt stepping forward, a matchup nightmare. Um, so as good as I think George's defense is, there's going to be some challenges, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to Florida's ability to pass protect. Um, George's got a couple edge rushers that are pretty special guys. Nolan Smith was the number one recruit in the nation, and let me tell you, this guy he pursues like a raptor. I mean, he he got the you know the button the the I forget what they what do they call the button when you're playing the football games on uh, on video and he's got that that X button when he when he surges man he he closes fast and Jermaine Johnson was the number one JUCO recruit in the country he's another outside linebacker so they've added a couple speed rushers uh, so a lot's going to be on that Florida line to protect absolutely and last question here Mike. Uh... Of course, this is not a do or die, you know, you're going to lose your job type of game here. But, you know, what type of pressure is on Kirby here? We mentioned the expectations coming into this season. And if you know, somehow lose this game to Florida, the SEC East is pretty much wrapped up for the Gators there. Uh, what kind of what, what kind of pressure is on Kirby to, to come out of Jacksonville with a win on Saturday? Well, I mean, you know, from a job security standpoint, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on them in that sense. But right, I agree. You know, I think it, 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 you know, but when you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you look at the rest of their schedule, and I don't think, you know, I thought for a long time Missouri was going to be a losable game, but they've they've kind of gone in the tank this year. Um, but I think Auburn is obviously a very dangerous opponent. That was a really good win for Florida, by the way. I don't think Florida got nearly enough credit for beating Auburn, but I think Auburn's going to be a really dangerous game. For Georgia, they got to go down there uh, in a couple weeks, and then A and M comes in here, and I, you know, A and M's not playing peak, but hey, it's Jimbo Fisher, and and you know, um, you know that that could be their last chance for for glory. You know, if you're A and M, you're not going to a major bowl this year. Uh, that's going to be a dangerous game. So, you know, you lose this game, you know, you wonder what are the after effects, right? You wonder, you know, how many how many of these guys that are headed to the NFL are, are going to play the rest of the year. You know, what kind of bowl game? We saw the response last year when Georgia went to the Sugar Bowl. They didn't want to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot when you go to a New Year's Six Bowl and you don't you don't want to be there. You don't show up, right? I mean, they they were so disappointed. Um, you know, Oklahoma with whatever it was, the 109th defense in the country, you know, and the Oklahoma AD on the college football playoff committee, what do you know? Um, they were so disappointed by that, uh, you know, that they, they didn't show up. They, that was not the same Georgia that you saw all year, and, and give Texas credit. Now, Texas played good football. Uh, that was their first chance to play a bowl game outside of the state of Texas since 2011. They were playing for 10 wins, and, you know, they played their ass off. You know, they, they played good. Texas played good football, and, and Georgia didn't play um, didn't play motivated, and by the time they tried to, you know, wake up, it was too late. So, um, you know, it's a threat to derail what many thought would be a championship season. And then big picture, you know, you wonder what the effects are on recruiting. You know, Georgia's been able to recruit nationally uh, the last couple few years. And if, if it's viewed that Georgia is no longer one of the it teams or one of the it programs or no longer a championship contender, um, you know, and it flips the script. I mean, for years and years and years, you know, we all look at Florida uh, on the outside looking in, um, you know, is a championship level program. Now, some people can say they don't have the tradition and, you know, but let's be honest, you know, cable TV is kind of when the world started for most of us, when we were able to see all the programs. And that was in the 1990s. And that was when Steve Spurrier and the Gators were dominating like no SEC had done since Paul Bear Bryant. In fact, if, if Georgia were to win the East this year, 
you know, Kirby be the first guy to do it three years in a row since Steve Spurrier. Um, mm. You know, what Spurrier did was, was remarkable, uh, inspiring. Um, you know, he's, he's an amazing coach and he set an, he set the bar amazingly high. And, and then Urban Meyer went down there, uh, you know, 12, 13 years ago. I was at, I was at those national championship games uh, covering the Gators down there on the national level. And, and uh, he brought a different mindset. And, and of course, Tim Tebow uh, is, is just a, a remark, another remarkable, legendary uh, college football figure. So, you know, we're talking about Steve Spurrier and Tim Tebow. We're, you know, we're, we're talking about two of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. So there's such a high standard when people think about Florida football that, you know, we, you know, if you don't win 10 or 11 games in Florida, it's, you know, you're, you know, it's, it's just a horrible season too. So, and I think a lot of people are ready to see Florida back on top. It's kind of like when Alabama was down in the West um, after Gene Stallings left, you know, Alabama stumbled mm-hmm. for a while there. And, um, and, and a lot of people said, boy, when Alabama's good, it's good for, it's good for college football. Or the people say, well, when Kentucky basketball is good, it's good for, I'd say when Florida basketball is good, but for some reason, those Gator fans just don't get behind them like they should. I mean, that's, my gosh, they won two national championships there. It was a remarkable uh, program. But for, for football, I think a lot of people want to see Florida football uh, back on top. Uh, not in Georgia, obviously. Um, and so there's so the national narrative, you know, the, the Gators are media darlings. I mean, their players are fun. Uh, they say fun things. Um, you know, they play with a certain attitude. Every you know, the colors, the fight song, the Gator chomp. I mean, there's a lot of exciting things about Florida football that make them immediate. I, I enjoyed my trips going to the swamp. I, I think George is missing out, not getting to play there. I think it's a, it's it's one of my, it's one of the most amazing you know environments. You know, and I know there's been some bad crowds, but when I was there, uh, whether it was covering Auburn in the '90s or, or Tennessee, um, you know, I I always thought that you know going to football games at the swamp it was electric, and um, you know Georgia misses out on that having to play in that pro stadium, but. Um, long answer to your question, but uh, I think there's a lot of effects if, if Florida wins the East. And um, I think a lot of people in college football would be excited to see Florida back on top. But, you know, there's a lot of people excited to see Georgia because they think Georgia's the team that's got the formula to beat Alabama mm-hmm. uh, with Kirby Smart. He could be the Saban assistant that finally takes Nick down. I think he's won 17 in a row against former assistants. So uh, it's, it's intriguing, David. It gives you and guys like you and I a lot to talk and write about for sure. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i wouldn't have it any other way for this game mike uh, i mean I, you know for one i love this game being in jacksonville i am biased I, i've lived in southeast georgia and in jacksonville for most of my life here so absolutely i love the game being in jacksonville but you know you're right that it would be neat to see uh, at some point uh, florida going to athens and, and bulldogs coming down to gainesville but you know if i had my choice it would stay in jacksonville but the only other alternative i could imagine that i actually would get uh, I wouldn't necessarily get behind, but I could deal with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't raise Kane about it. You know, if there was a rotation between, say, Ga- Gainesville, Jacksonville, Athens, Jacksonville, in like a four-year rotation, or you know, something like that, I, I could. I could see it. You know, coming down the pipe a little bit, maybe. Uh, but uh, you know, for 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 all intents and purposes, for for my for my from my point of view, I I do love the game in Jacksonville. No doubt, you know, and it's it's a unique setting. Um, you know, it's just, it's just unfortunate, you know, college football, you know, those recruiting weekends, man, they're so big to get a kid in there now. And, and especially where this game falls, um, you know, right there, end of October, early November, because we got that early signing day now, 
you know, yeah. in the middle of December. So, I mean, you're talking about getting, you know, the best of the best at that game, whether it's in Gainesville or Georgia every year, you're, you're talking probably, a, you know, 30 of the top 100 recruits in the country are going to be at that game. I'll tell you who doesn't want to move to Florida, Florida State and Miami because they're going, yeah, we get to have these guys <laughs> at our game. <laughs> That's a good point. That is a good point, yeah. Yeah, so that and, and that's why you know I think you know I saw Joe Holland's comments and you know I think he he tempered his comments about the game a little bit. You know, both him and Kirby said the same thing. You know, I I kind of feel like David. I could be wrong, but I kind of feel like Mullen and Kirby have talked about this. And I kind of feel like those coaches kind of both want the the home and home because of the recruiting repercussions. Um, again, not because there's anything wrong with Jacksonville, but because of of how important it is to them to be able to get. 70 or 80 kids in there, um, you know, and, and what would be the biggest, you know, home recruiting weekend, just, just because of where the game falls. Now, if this were a, you know, if this were September, like when, when Florida plays Tennessee, at this, those, those games in September aren't quite as important, but when it gets to November, that's when you're closing kids out. And, um, and that's why I think that, I think after 2023, if Kirby Smart's still the head coach at Georgia, I think that'll be it, you know, because both schools have to agree to this extension. But the fact that Jacksonville was able to get two more years out of this, um, even though Kirby's been at Georgia four years, and you know, that says a lot for the city of Jacksonville and their ability to negotiate. So that, that's a big win for Florida. It's a big win for the Florida Gators, too. Um, you know, it only have to travel, whatever, 65, 70 miles. And, and for their fans to, to get to play Georgia in their own backyard. But um, – you know, you know where where my heart lies. I, I love the the stadiums. Uh, again, I've, I I think this, and I've told Georgia people, oh, the swamps. So I said, no, swamps not that bad. The swamp is, yeah, the Gator fans are uh, obnoxious and loud, but they're every good team has obnoxious and loud home fans. Georgia fans can be obnoxious and loud. Um, so it's it's in the it's in the it's in the Georgia fight zone. <laughs> right, 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 and, and, and I think Athens is just an incredible destination too. So that's the way I look at it. But but being where you're from, uh, for guys like you and Tim Tebow, uh, I can understand why this game means so much uh, to the folks down. And again, it's it's a big win for Jacksonville. You know, before they had an NFL team, I'm sure it meant even more. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, now you know it kind of is what it is through 2022. I guarantee you this: Kirby and Dan aren't thinking about it right now. They're both. You know, Kirby's trying to figure out, you know, who in the world can cover this Pitts kid. And, you know, Dan's probably, you know, trying to, you know, draw a circle around, you know, Swift. And, and Grantham's probably got some something in the works for them. Because I can guarantee you Florida's not going in there uh, planning on letting Georgia, you know, run the football. That's one thing that, that Florida will try to erase at all costs. So it's going to be interesting to see just how aggressive they are with that scheme. Yeah, it should be a fun, fun top 10 matchup here in Jacksonville for Florida and Georgia. Mike, man, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me here again on Gators Breakdown for the second year in a row preview in this big game. And I look forward to seeing you in Jacksonville on Saturday. Enjoy your work, David. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Hard to believe there's only about a month left of the college football regular season and almost halfway through the NFL season. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. MyBookie always has the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you're the kind who likes to bet a little to win a lot, then try a parlay. 
pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet. When they all come through, the rewards will be huge. Tired of watching the game from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants you to get your mind off of everything else and get in the game. So right now, double your first deposit at MyBookie. Use promo code GATERS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today at MyBookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use promo code GATERS when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid at MyBookie. And guys, you have got to try UFM underwear. Underwear for men is the only brand of men's underwear that offers both isolation and support, all while keeping you cool. Unlike other unlike other pouch underwear brands that have thin mesh panels or pre-sized pouches, Underwear for Men's patented pending design prevents skin-on-skin contact and eliminates chafing, and the drawstring pouch can't be felt from the inside or seen from the outside. Underwear for Men is a state of Florida company, so you're shopping local when you buy UFM underwear, and they have you covered no matter the activity. Everyday underwear, athletic underwear, work underwear, or medical underwear. Underwear for Men is made for it all in sizes up to 5X. So try your pair now. Head over to UFMunderwear.com and use promo code BREAKDOWN to get $5 off your pair of UFM underwear. UFM Underwear, support your manhood. All right, let's take a look at this game and... Some things that I, you know, how I see uh, playing out here. Georgia's offense has been a hot topic for the past couple of weeks, and and for good reason. After averaging nearly 48 points in their first five games of the year, the Bulldogs have managed to put up just 38 the past two games against South Carolina and Kentucky combined. And looking at this game, guys, we, we know it's obvious what the Gators must do to win this game. It's not rocket science here, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The Gators are going to have to limit Georgia running back DeAndre Swift. Coming into this game, the Georgia offense is running through him. He is the player right now that makes this Georgia offense click when it's at its best. This season, Swift is averaging 6.8 yards per carry on 110 attempts for 760 yards and 7 touchdowns. Also has 13 receptions for 148 yards and a touchdown there. Most recently, Swift, he earned uh, SEC Offensive Player of the Week honors a couple weeks ago in Georgia's last game against Kentucky, carrying the ball for 21 times for 179 yards, an 8.5-yard average in the win over the Wildcats. This was the highest output for Swift since he piled up a career-high 186 yards on 17 carries during the win over Auburn last year. So, also go back to last year versus Florida. Swift finished back then, which was a career high for 104 yards on just 12 carries for an 8.7-yard average and had a big run late to sell it for the Bulldogs. So while Florida is fourth in the league in stopping the run at 124.1 yards per game on the ground, Florida's given up some big yardage in each of the last two games, as we know, 435 yards to be exact. Florida gave up 218 yards on the ground in the loss to LSU, 217 yards to South Carolina. In the other six games this season, uh, only two other teams rushed for over 100 yards on Florida. That was Kentucky with 140 and Auburn with 124. So 558 yards allowed in the first five games for this Florida defense, 426 or 435 in the last two. That has to change there. So 
you know, we'll see uh, the game plan for Todd Grantham in this defense. You know, I think we can all see stacking the box, bringing up uh, a safety to help this run defense, making Jake Fromm beat you. He's coming off his two worst performances uh, of the season. Uh, South Carolina game was good in the stat column besides the three interceptions. And, and you can make the case only one was totally his fault, and, and, and the Georgia side likes to point to the rain as being the main culprit for the uh, poor play versus Kentucky, where Fromm went 9 of 12 for only 35 yards. And I can see that point of view, but I'm also inclined to believe that some of the issues that were in previous games you know, reared its head uh, in South Carolina and, and the Kentucky game. We talked about it with Mike, this Georgia wide receiver core, Nowhere near the group they had last season, battling some injuries, having to go deep uh, with depth here. Offensive coordinator James Coley looks really indecisive at times, not sure what he wants to do at times with this Georgia offense. I think tie all that in with an offensive line that has been banged up as well, inconsistent at times because of that, I think has really had an effect on Jake Fromm. Don't get me wrong, this offensive line for Georgia is still playing really, really well. They're ranked second nationally in giving up only four sacks through seven games three of them versus South Carolina, and Georgia leads the SEC at 237.1 rushing yards a game. So, you know, they've been banged up, they've been inconsistent, but still a really, really good offensive line battling some injuries there. So, in looking at this Georgia offense and, and finding ways to slow it down, I'm looking at first down here, and credit to uh, Dog Post here uh, for a look into Jake Fromm, but 45% of Fromm's passes have come on first down which uh, sort of kills the notion that Georgia's offense is predictable and only goes run, run, pass. So, yes, slowing down DeAndre Swift is the formula for Florida winning on Saturday. Slowing him down on first down is the key. He averages 7.9 yards per carry on first down. Almost 8 yards a carry on first down. Compare that to 6 yards per carry on second down and 4.3 on third. Also, 8 of his 13 receptions have come on first down. So you know, now with that production on, on first down, you'd think that would set up the Bulldogs with a high conversion rate on third down since they're gaining big yardage on first down. But they're only converting about 43%, and that's good for 38th in the country. Not terrible, but for a team that moves the ball so well on first down, you'd expect that to be a little higher. So Gators defense needs to win on first down, force third and long, and limit Georgia and how much they can use uh, their play-action passing game. From torch Florida last season on third down and a few third and longs as well so you know, go back to his performance last year versus Florida completed 17 to 24 for 240 yards three touchdowns all three touchdown passes came on third down to a deeper wide receiver core Rom won't have that luxury this year so if the game plays out similar to last year that's, the, that's really kind of the only reason I'm going back to last year is I can kind of see it playing out a, a little bit of the same way. Uh, and if it does, you have to like, I think Florida's, Florida did a pretty good job at getting Georgia just to some key third down situations, just weren't able to capitalize. So get Georgia in these third and long situations. You have Grenard and Zuniga coming back. Marco Wilson and C.J. Henderson both missed the game last season. Take all that, and I think the Gators can feel confident in that situation with Fromm in this Georgia wide receiver court. Limit the offense on first down. Get him in a favorable third and long, and I don't think Fromm would be able to replicate his performance from last season, given what we've seen so far from this Georgia offense this season. The player to watch, I really want to look forward in what he's doing here, Amari Burning. Now, since he can line up anywhere from, from linebacker to nickel star, match him up on Swift as much as possible, especially because Swift is so good on his outside runs as a pass catcher out of the backfield. 
He is the best option to keep up with Swift in certain situations. Swift will get his yards. Bernie will need some help at times uh, in the box or, or behind him at some point, so the safeties need to hit the right angles and make their tackles. But I'm eager to see how much Grant the moves Bernie around to match up with Swift. I think that's a really good matchup uh, to look out for here uh, for this Gators defense. Looking at the offense, once that, um, you know, Going to, once that's going to have to change for this game. In the last 13 games, the team with the most rushing yards has come away victorious. I don't feel confident in Florida outrushing Georgia this week. I don't think it's instrumental uh, for victory just because of the way Florida's been playing. You know, Florida hasn't had a passing attack to pair with a running game in the past like they have this season. So I think that stat's pretty much meaningless going into this game. If Florida runs for, for more yards than Georgia, then great. Uh, I'll probably eat crow there. But Florida's going to need to win this game, throwing the ball, throwing the ball down the field. Running on to keep Georgia honest, working Emory Jones to help in the run game, especially if Georgia's able to run the ball and, and tire out this Florida defense. There may be a couple drives where Emory's going to have to come in and, and this running game, uh, you know, with Trask at quarterback as well, just find a way to ground out some, some time, give your defense a rest with what's going to be a physical Georgia offense. But, you know, Florida needs to use their weapons on the outside and make Georgia defend the entire field, especially down the field where we've seen Georgia give up some big plays this season. That's how you have to beat their defense. Uh, they, they like to keep everything in front of them, use their speed to their advantage. East-West East West plays aren't going, to, aren't going to beat Georgia, not going to have much success. You'll see some from Florida, Florida you know, especially with Kadarius Tony coming back. I think you can see him in the screen game a bit, some sweeps as well uh, from, from you know, him, Hammond. Uh, in that situation uh, sometimes. But most, for the most part, East-West plays aren't going to beat Georgia. This Georgia defense is fast. Um, that's one thing you notice watching their defense. But they haven't played a quarterback that's slinging around like Kyle Trask right now or, does, or a wide receiver group as deep and talented as the Gators are. Georgia has had the benefit of Ryan Holinsky going down when they played South Carolina. They basically moved a wide receiver to play quarterback in their loss to South Carolina. Holinsky completed 15 of 20 passes for 116 yards and a touchdown before leaving that game in the third quarter. Georgia got the benefit of playing uh, Kentucky wide receiver Lynn Bowden making <laughs> making his start there. Uh, Brian Maurer making his first start for Tennessee versus Georgia there. So, you know, Georgia's had a little bit of benefit of, uh, of not necessarily playing some good quarterbacks so far. Uh, Ian Book from Notre Dame is the best quarterback they've faced so far this season. Uh, they did a good job limiting him to 5.9 yards per attempt, 9.5 yards per completion. Um, Notre Dame ranks 34th in the country in yards per pass attempt with 8.1. Florida's only marginally better there at 8.2, but against much better defenses. So, simply for me, Kyle Trask is much better throwing the ball than Ian Book. Uh, and since we're discussing the Notre Dame offense a bit here, because that is the best offense Georgia has faced so far this season, they're tied in. Matt, they're tied in with a matchup nightmare for Georgia. Cole Komet abused Georgia with nine catches for 108 yards and one touchdown. So, of course, all eyes uh, go on Dan Mullen and you know, how he'll get in tight end slash wide receiver Kyle Pitts involved. Kyle, Kyle Pitts has emerged as you know, Florida's top receiving threat, one of the top Florida's receiving threats uh, right now, career, um, uh, in culminating a couple weeks ago. Career-high 108-yard breakout performance on just five receptions. Uh, all went for more than 15 yards against LSU. It's 30 receptions for 355 yards four touchdowns in the last six games, uh, and five-plus catches in, uh, of the last three games. He's one of 10 FBS tight ends to post a 100-yard game this season. 
ranked th- and uh, is ranked third in the country for tight ends with 35 receptions and 10th in the country in yards with 391. So, of course, of course, Georgia will try and scheme uh, to take him away. Uh, but there are plenty of options. Uh, Kirby Smart is winning against Dan Mullen many times, but he's yet to face a Dan Mullen team this deep at wide receiver and a quarterback that can get them the ball the way Trask has. Uh, Florida's eight different receivers right now, um, uh, eight different players with at least 150 receiving yards, and they're hitting big plays. Uh, as Florida is one of 11 FBS teams with four passing plays, 60-plus yards this season. Ten different Gators have a touchdown reception this year, which is tied for the most among FBS teams. So Georgia may try and take away Pitts. They probably will at times, but you have to feel comfortable that Trask and Mullen can find someone else to produce. Kyle Trask should have time to find these receivers as well. If you listen to the last episode, Will Miles and I went into to Georgia's lack of pass rush and sacks, and some of that is by design. Don't get me wrong. It is. But you have to imagine they still want more pressure from their defensive ends here. So Georgia has 16 sacks overall for the season. Ten of those sacks have come against Murray State, Arkansas State. Only four sacks the, the, uh, the last four games. Three of those versus Tennessee. So 13 of their sacks have come versus Arkansas, Murray State, and Tennessee. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see here. You know, this is really nothing new for the Georgia defense, uh, getting to the quarterback. It's been a sore spot for otherwise great defense uh, the last few, last couple seasons here. They still haven't allowed a rushing touchdown this season, and the only team in the country that can say that. So, overall, Phil, with all the weapons outside and a couple of weeks to prepare, Mullen has something cooked up. And it'd be up to the players to execute that plan. So one thing I think that must happen this game is getting off to a fast start. Last season, Georgia was able to, to jump up to a 10-0 first quarter lead. Uh, you know, Florida had a chance if they hit that flea flicker from, from Franks to Van Jefferson. But uh, you go to the year before that also when Mullen was at Mississippi State with much of this same staff. Got trounced by Georgia 31-3. Bulldogs were up 14-0 in the first quarter. So... While it wouldn't be nice to put up points, Grantham also doesn't need his trademark slow start uh, here. You, we, 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 we've, we've seen that too many times uh, from Grantham. Uh, you know, I like Grantham overall, but the, the slow starts uh, really really get to me sometimes. And Florida's done a, a great job on offense by scoring in the first quarter in all eight games, and in six of those games, scoring a touchdown in the first quarter. So it'd be nice to see if Mullen and Grantham not actually had to play from behind this time against the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, all that said, here we go. Going with a 27-24 victory for our Florida Gators. Uh, I think the Gators continue to, to ride some momentum heading into this game. Uh, Dan Mullen knows the importance of this game, has something dialed up for a Gators win. Grantham has his pieces back on defense. That will make a huge difference in limiting DeAndre Swift. Uh, as I said, he's going to get his yards. He's too good not to, but Florida will limit him enough and the Georgia passing game won't be able to capitalize like they were last season. And Florida comes away with a 27-24 victory. So there we go. That's how I see this game playing out. Hopefully I'm right. We can talk about a Gators victory here on the next Gators Breakdown. So uh, let's take a look around the SEC and around uh, games of note uh, as well. Of course, FSU-Miami at 3.30, same time as Florida-Georgia. So... um, you know, not many eyes will be on FSU Miami 
uh, from the Gator side of things or, or probably the nation either uh, as uh, all eyes will be in Jacksonville uh, for Florida Georgia at 3.30 the same time as FSU Miami. So you have to go back and watch it or, or have it on a side screen, keep up with it on your phone or something. But uh, too bad that game is at the same time as Florida Georgia. As far as around the SEC, um, Texas San Antonio at Texas A&M, not much there. Mississippi State at Arkansas, the game's at 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Ole Miss and Auburn, see how Auburn bounces back from uh, the LSU loss last week. 7 o'clock as well, UAB and Tennessee. Pretty good UAB team there. Uh, see if Tennessee can uh, keep up and, and uh, keep up with their uh, off their big victory versus South Carolina last week. And speaking of South Carolina, they host Vanderbilt at 7.30 on the SEC Network. So here we go. All right, big game, big game. Big game's finally here. Florida-Georgia, top 10 matchup. World's largest outdoor cocktail party. Uh, I think you guys can tell I'm I'm ready for this game. So thanks for listening to this uh, episode of Gators Breakdown. Can't thank you enough. If you can make it Friday night, uh, Monkey's Uncle Tavern in the Mandarin area of Jacksonville. Stop by, say hello. Let's have a good time, and uh, let's go beat those dogs. So guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.